Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. If you've been around on Sundays, we've had a, a series called Listen, and we've been getting into the book of Revelation. So actually, I'm going to go back to a couple Sundays ago, not this last Sunday with Pastor Marvin, but the previous. I'm going to start in, in Revelation, and then we'll do some Old Testament where that comes from, Revelation 2.26. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as in earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. This was the promise to that church of Thyatira, Revelation chapter 2, and all, uh, to all the different churches, the Lord said, there's seven churches in the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the Lord would say, I know your works. There's only two of the churches that he didn't give them kind of a holy kick in the pants, Philadelphia and Smyrna. Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, Smyrna, the persecuted church, Thyatira had some different things that they needed to correct a little bit. And then, of course, there's always a promise to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. And in this case, the promise I'll give, he'll rule over the nations with a rod of iron. That comes actually from Psalm chapter 2. Now, Psalm chapter 2, on June 1st, 2002, 20 years ago, my family and I were in Costa Rica. We'd been there for 12 years. We had all our bags packed on that particular day. I was going to be moving here to Nashville and help with Pastor Rice and help with the Spanish church that we had, we were, had started already. But as I was doing my devotional, Psalm chapter 2 just kind of jumped out of the page at me. You know, I'll get to the verse that really jumped out of the page, but we'll go through that psalm a little bit. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, against his Messiah. Saying, let us burst their bonds apart, cast away their cords from us. Verse 4, he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, this is the one that jumped out, Ask of me and I will make the nations your, your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word, given years ago, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is relevant for us today as well, even with all that we're seeing, relevant for us. Lord, help us to understand your plans and join together with what you're doing. Lord, I pray for every person 
God, that the hearing of your word would transform, would edify, would bring life, would bring clarity, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this psalm, if you will, really has, has four different, what I would call kind of movements or four different kind of voices going out there. First of all, we have the plans of the wicked. You know, and, and if we could ever see that, we're seeing it in our, in our day as well. You know, some would say, well, where is God when there's so much suffering? Where is God? Is he all-powerful? Is he loving? Does he not care? Lord, if you would have been here, all this wouldn't have happened. But you know, I think ever since the Garden of Eden, when God gave man, Adam and Eve, a free will, an ability to decide, really there can't be love if there isn't an ability to decide, yes or no, the possibility of rejection. You know, my, my wife and I will be married 32 years in December, and you know, we've got that that loving relationship that was started 32 years ago still going on. It's not something that I, for, I can't force you. You know, that's the way God is giving us free will. Of course, Adam and Eve decided to go their own way, and that's kind of where we have it ever since Cain killed Abel. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, this, the fall of man, Genesis chapter 4, starts with the murder, finishes with the murder, and then it's just, been, it's just like it's been going on since then. And God has been active, even as he was active. In the... Anyway, let's go into this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? We'll just kind of go through. Just Can you hear just the, the plotting in vain and, and the nations that, that are just raging against God, raging against other, even other countries, just raging in their own selfishness? Psalm chapter 2 and verse 1, and we'll just go through it again. The kings of the earth have set them, said the rulers... They take counsel together. Counsel together against the Lord, against His anointed, the sent one, the Messiah. Of course, that's Jesus. Why do those nations continue to rage? You know, and then they say in verse 3, if we can bring it up there, they say, let us burst their bonds apart, cast away their cords. We don't need all this morality. We don't even need a belief in God because if, if God doesn't exist, if I don't have to give an account to anybody beyond this life, then what would keep me from killing you? What would keep me from doing all this damage? You know, that, that atheistic thought of there's only life on this. Let's be selfish. Let's do our own thing. Live for today. Break apart all that morality. You know, I can live the way I want to live. Don't tell me what to do. You know, not just something in a land far, far away, but that's on a land here, here. Obviously, it's the guy in the mirror as well. And then we can see the, the second movement or the second voice, what I would call the mocking laugh from heaven, you know, from God's perspective. Psalm 2, verses 4 and six, 4 to 6, He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. And even this, you can see the, the, the poetry of the Hebrew poetry. It, he's, he, first he, he sits, let's go back to verse 4. Just watch this. This is how I memorized it because it just kind of starts out. He sits in heaven, he kind of laughs. He holds them in derision, he mocks them. So it gets more intense. And then verse 5, it says, I will speak to them in his wrath, terrify them in his fury. You see how that, that poetry, it just kind of starts, real, starts down here. He, you know, he, 
He sits in the heavens and he laughs and then he mocks and then he speaks, terrifying them. And then, verse 6, I have, For I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. He is the one that will have the last word. He is the one that all these... You know, and this psalm, it's repeated again in Acts chapter 4, and actually they accredit it to David. Acts chapter 4, when the, you know, in, in that time in Acts, it was, the, it was Herod, it was Pontius Pilate that had crucified Jesus. And you could see throughout history, in the days of David, it was the Philistines, there was this big giant, what was his name? Goliath. You know, those that would come against the Lord, that would come against. And you can see as the, even as the people of God are taken into exile by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, look at this great kingdom that I have built for my glory. And then in a moment, it's almost like God says, you fool. And he's taken away and he's got to eat grass like a cow. And just in a moment, you know, he who sits... You know, we're not seeing, we're seeing disaster, we're seeing violence, we're seeing the innocent suffer. But I don't think we've seen, and even our limited view on this side of eternity, we don't see. I mentioned that I had, that, that this Psalm 2 came alive in Costa Rica. One time I was in Costa Rica, I was in a, in a church. Such a glorious night in that church. You know, and I walk out into the parking lot, and I'm looking for my car. And I knew where I'd parked, I knew where I'd parked it. I wasn't there anymore. <laughs> it had been stolen from the church parking lot. There were two guards there. Hate to even share the testimony in church because people are thinking, oh, wonder does that could happen to me? <laughs> I still haven't found out where that car is. I ended up in Nicaragua, ended up in Venezuela. <laughs> but there will be a day when we'll find out. And I'm hoping whoever stole that car Lord, touch them. Lord, send somebody to speak to them. Lord, I pray that they would come to you. Because if they don't come to Christ on this side of eternity, <laughs> there will be a reckoning. There will be a reckoning. And if we can have that confidence that God has set his king on Zion. You know, we're looking at the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation also says that uh, there will be a day when the books will be open, when all people, the great and the small, will be before the Lord. And we will give an account for all that we have done. You know, with, we think with all the social media now and all the cameras and you can see everything. Well, there is one that can see everything and has seen everything from all of human history. And there will be a day where the books will be opened. There will be a day where that film will be shown. And God has set his king on Zion. You know, we think, well, if, if God is loving, why doesn't he? If God is all-powerful, why doesn't he? He has done something. He has set his king on Zion. And sometimes there's, there's, a, there's a weight between the sin and the judgment of God. It's not that God is slow, but he's wanting all to come to repentance. And so that time, it's not like God has, has, has not seen you, and it's not like God has, is just overlooking. You know, a lightning bolt didn't hit you immediately. That doesn't mean that God approves your sin. 
What it means is God is giving you time to repent, to turn to that king that he's set on Zion, his holy hill. Okay, so the first voice, the first movement is the, is the you know, the, the, the people saying, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go my own way. The nations are raging. The second voice, I believe it's the father's voice. I've set my, my king on Zion. The third voice, the third movement in this psalm is the son's declaration. Verse uh, 7. I will tell of the decree. And so really, actually, the son here is repeating what the father has said to him. So it's almost like the father is speaking again, but it's the son that is Surely I will tell of the decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Of course, this, this refers to Jesus. And it says, verse 8, this is the one that really jumped off the page. I'm standing on this one. Ask of me and I will make the nations as your heritage, the ends of the earth as your possession. Verse 9, you'll break them with a rod of iron, dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Go back to eight again, just for a second. Thank you for working with me on this. Ask of me, I'll make you then. So when I first had that jump off the page 20 years ago, I was moving from, been a missionary in Costa Rica. I was going to move back here, you know, the nations. And at first I said, well, that's great. That's for me. I'm going to claim those nations. We're going to believe. And then after a while, I really realized, you know, you can't read the scripture in, without the context. They say a text without the context is a pretext. You know, so you really have to look at the, and, and so when I find out, well, that's for Jesus. It's him that's, but then as you look even deeper, you know, we as the bride of Christ, you know, with my wife, 32 years of marriage, you know, so we've got a joint bank account. She writes a check. She uses a credit card. And who's got to respond for it? We both do. You know, and as the bride of Christ, what is it that Jesus said in John 15? He said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you will, and it will be given you. So as the bride of Christ, I know some of us, men, we don't, you know, identify with that. But as the body of Christ, we can, we can ask for the nations. You know, the really interesting thing is it's the same nations. Why do the nations rage? These nations that are rebellious, these nations that would deny God. And then the Lord would say, ask of me and I'll give you those nations. I don't want those nations. Those are rebellious. They're raging against you. What are you talking about? Those rebellious people, they're, they're, that's my inheritance. But that's the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, the, in a sense, the mystery, the power of the redemption. That Jesus would die for those nations that were rebellious. For us that were rebellious. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that the greatness of God's love? That's the greatness of God's power. That he would die for us, rise again from the dead. That he would reconcile us. That he would bring us back. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your heritage, as your inheritance. Those nations. You know, my parents now, they're, my dad is 90 years old. Been, my parents have been married 68 years. What about that? 68 years. Of course, he was 20. 
She was, no, yeah, she, he was 20. She was about 18 or something like that. 68 years they've been married. And they're in an assisted living now. And my dad's been somewhat successful as a farmer in Minnesota. And so we're kind of, you know, I want to be real careful. You know, we want to honor them. We want to be good sons. There's five siblings. We want to be good sons. But at the same time, you know, we heard that, that he had, at one time, he had bought some gold. You know, kind of like his savings, you know, he bought some gold. And so, you know, I don't want to be like the prodigal son. Give me the inheritance. You know, I, I want to be real careful what I'm saying. But at the same time, we want to be wise. If there's gold, you know, and he's 90, he's not going to live forever. We kind of want to know, you know, where might that be? You know, where would that inheritance be? Are there stocks bought, you know? And again, I want to be real careful. We want to honor them. Or we don't, you know, want to do anything. But at the same time, you... you it's like, don't be foolish now. And, and, and with all these nations raging and, and fallen people who would take advantage of the vulnerable, you know, so we're, you know, with my civil, we're trying to, you know, protect that. We're trying to guard that, that because there are people that would try to steal it because it's valuable. You know, so we kind of go back to the farmhouse and where's the gold? You know, is that, it's in this little closet here, you know, is there gold? Well, my brother did find, he found the gold. <laughs> but if you knew that you had an inheritance, wouldn't it be wise to find out where it is, how much it is? And Pastor Rice has said, Rice Brooks, the overseeing bishop of this, of this church, he said, if you knew you had an inheritance in every country of the world, wouldn't you go and try to find it? If you had a bank account in your name, wouldn't you go just find it? I mean, I'm a missions pastor. That's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm just trying to do just... We went to Mexico City back in June, in June of last year, July of last year. We went to Panama a few years ago. We're planting a church in Panama. We're planting a church in Mexico City. We went to Medellin, Colombia a couple weeks ago. And I'm just going in there just like, where's that gold? Where are those souls? Where are that nation that's raging against the Lord? But Jesus died for those people. Jesus died for all the Russian soldiers. Jesus died for Putin. Jesus died for all of them. Can we just go into those places? Jesus died for those people in your job. Jesus died for your family members. Even the uncle that you, you know, you just, you just either you want to stay away from or you just want to, you know, Jesus died for that person. And that's the mystery of, of the, the love of God, the power of God, the redemption that those nations that would rage against, that they would be the inheritance in Christ. So we've got to see things from a different perspective. I think there's an inheritance in China like we prayed for. There's an inheritance in the Ukraine. And then it says you'll rule over them with a rod of iron. You'll break them with a rod of iron to rule over them. The New Testament, it's interesting, when they get into the Greek, the word is like shepherd. It doesn't have that violence. It has a, it has a, a shepherding. You know, I said we grew up on a farm, dairy farm. You know, we would, it's not shepherding of sheep, but it's taking care of cows and you would have authority there. You would put limits around them. You'd give them their food. You'd provide for them. You'd protect them. Minnesota, you've got to provide, protect them in the wintertime. It's so cold, so cold. But you still got to go out and milk the cows. you got to, I don't know how you say it, shepherd. You know, it's not sheep, but it's cows. But, but you have authority, but it's a loving, caring authority. 
And I believe that's what Jesus, the good shepherd, you know, as long as, as he hasn't come back yet, as long as we're on this side of eternity, there's an opportunity for mercy. There's an opportunity to submit to his loving lordship, receiving Christ. We can see the, the fourth um, movement, the fourth voice in this psalm would be instruction to all the kings and all the rulers. Psalm 2, verses 10 to 12. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. The Lord does have a word for the kings, for the presidents, for the judges. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. You know, I'm thinking about, I don't know how many of you here were, on, were here on Friday night. We celebrated Pastor James's 50th birthday as well as his 10th anniversary. And I think I can say it because our governor, our governor Bill Lee, has written a book about kind of his life journey and he said something on Friday from this stage. He said, you know, government doesn't have the answers for everything. You know, I know that they've, they've, they've got a God-given place of authority, but they are not God. There's a difference. Especially referring to the racial ethnic reconciliation. He's, he recognized, you know, he's a Christian man. He recognized, you know, there's not a lot of governors in our country that would say something like that, that would recognize that they themselves don't have. You know, I think he has been warned and he has heeded that warning. He's received Jesus. I mean, he, he, he basically, he, I, was just, I was just like, wow, wait a minute, that's a governor? It's like, I, you know, he had spoken honoring Pastor James after a whole bunch of people had honored Pastor James. And he basically said, you know, you guys have already, let me just pray for him. And here's our governor. He's praying in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, he's not perfect. Does he make all the right decisions? Probably not. Do we need to pray for him? Yes, we need to pray for him. Yes, we need to pray for those who are in authority. Am I, am I you know, putting one political party above it? We also had the mayor of Nashville, who's from the other political party. He was here as well. I believe that we have access, if you're in Christ, you have access to the highest authority, which is God himself. And God holds them in his hand and he can move them wherever he will as a, as a river. We're called as a church to pray for them. Some people get mad when we talk about, you know, this kind of thing. I'm not taking political sides. I'm not saying, you know, any governing authority is the Messiah. There is one Messiah. His name is Jesus Christ. We should all, all the kings of the earth should be wise. They should all be warned, O rulers of the earth. They should all, verse 11, they should all serve the Lord with fear. Serve him with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Can you see that contrast there? Rejoice with, how that be rejoicing but trembling? It's almost like the, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan, the lion. Is he, is he nice? He's not nice. He's fearful. But he's good. I mean, he's a lion. <clears throat> Rejoice with trembling. Last verse. Kiss the sun. Kiss. Worship. Almost like a, like a dog would kiss the hand of the, of the master, of the owner. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Now here again, this is like, what? His wrath? I thought Jesus, good shepherd, he's got a little lamb, you know, he's, he's humble. Yeah, he is all of that. 
but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, lion. They killed the neighbor last night, this lion. You know, I'm not saying Jesus, but it's like Jesus is beyond what we can, if we can understand God completely in our mind, if we can understand Jesus, he is so great, so awesome. It's going to take all of eternity for us to know and to, to be able to love him and to grab on. Just the fact that he would love us so much that he would die for us. When we were enemies, it's easy to point the finger at others. And yes, they have done wrong. Yes, it's atrocities. It's terrible. But we need to call out to him. We need to kiss the son and worship. We need to take refuge. Blessed are all those who would take refuge in him. Have you taken refuge in him? Beyond pointing the finger at others, have you been able to see, have I been able to see the man in the mirror? Have I received the blessing of taking refuge in him? In Jesus. You know, maybe you came here tonight for the first time, for the second time. Or maybe you came back to church for the first time in a long time. Maybe you've been taking refuge in other things. You've been taking refuge in your job, taking refuge in your bank account, taking refuge in social media, taking refuge even in good things, taking refuge in your family, but then expecting your spouse to be something for you, to do something for you that really only God can do. Who is your refuge? Blessed are all those who would take refuge in Him. He's the only Savior. He's the only one that can bring everlasting peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Let's close our eyes and pray. God, I thank You for Your Word. Thank you for each and every one who's been here, come here tonight. God, I pray for those. You know exactly where we are in our spiritual life. God, I pray that your grace would be poured out. Even your kindness that would lead us to repentance. Father, I pray for those who don't know you or have strayed from you, taking refuge in other things. Pray that tonight could be a night of coming back to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.